podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity. If you want to get 10% off all Purity's goods, then if you use the code hashtag ViewView at the checkout, you should be able to do just that. I'm Dan Bardell, hosting today with Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, here to dissect Aston Villa 1, West Ham 4. Miserable, it's miserable to say that scoreline out loud, really, isn't it, Neil? We do start with some good news, though, because, Neil, you became a dad on Friday, so that is probably the only good news that we're going to talk about in this this show. So let's let's start with that. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. I was... uh... Yeah, so between all next week and all my five-a-side games, I'm going to do the Bebeto cradle in the baby celebration yeah. uh, whenever I score. <laughs> Is that taking it too far? I think that might be taking it too far. No, no I think you can do it. I think you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. A couple of restless, a couple of sleepless nights and a couple of, uh, yeah, that's but it's all ahead of me. All ahead of me, no. Well, we're all having sleepless nights at <laughs> yeah. the moment now because of Aston Villa Football Club. Should say apologies for the fact that we haven't really been on air in the last few weeks. A few things going on, so haven't been available to do podcast. But back now, so let's Villa have fallen to pieces. To be fair, since the Villa View have been been away now, the fourth defeat on the bounce now, and things are not good at Villa Park. No, things aren't good at Villa Park. It's um, and it's 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 a funny one because. You know, before we would have spoken about um, one issue, not, not issues, I'm not going to call them issues, but we would have said one observation, two observations or whatever. But now there seems to be like three, four different observations you can make from a match. And there's little, you know, things coming out like the like the Santon piece in the, in the Arsenal game. And, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously, you know, um, we just can't seem to catch a break in certain areas, which isn't an excuse. It's just an observation, as I say, the fact that, you know, there's murmurings that there might be COVID in the camp again. You know, I've seen it on Twitter today, don't know how true it is. Injuries, likes of not being able to get Traore back again, who, to be honest with you, this time last year, I don't think any of us would have seen how potentially how pivotal he can be towards our being 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 a small but creative first. But as I say, they're not excuses, they're observations, I think, more so than anything else. But like you said, there's there's just that little bit of nothing is nothing seems to be going right in a lot of areas at the moment. And um, you know, time is ticking, I think, to get that get that sorted because 10 points from 10 games kind of tells its own story. Yeah, and the 2021 form in general hasn't been brilliant. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but, you know, the record isn't that great. And, I mean, I get to Villa Park at an absolutely ridiculous hour now because the parking's so bad. They've closed the car park the moment I'd used to park in. So we have to get there, like, really early, leave two and a half hours before kickoff. So I'm, I'm at Villa Park for a long time. Before the goalkeepers even warm up, I'm sat in my seat. And I sat there. And I had very little hope for the game because West Ham are a very, very good team, one of the form teams in the Premier League at the moment. And we're just on a really bad run and we we, we look like we're struggling to get out of it. We're, we're in a bit of a funk. I think that the Spurs game, I look back on that and I think that both teams were poor, you know, that that kind of game can happen. We'd had two wins before that, but that Spurs game was just an off game, fine. It's the Wolves collapse. We just have not recovered from that at all and there was an, there was just an air of resignation around around Villa Park yesterday Neil I mean from the seventh minute we're behind and just it straight away just it just felt inevitable like I've heard I've seen people say that the atmosphere was toxic yesterday poisonous I, I've been in poisonous and toxic Villa Parks and that that was not one yesterday mm. but there was just this air of resignation that we were going to get beat and, that, and that's exactly what happened 
Yeah, when you talk about toxic and poisonous, like, you know, you just have to, like, I remember being in Villa Park and Alex McLeish was manager. Um, that really, that really wasn't a nice, nice situation at all because, like, I've, in, in a way, I'm not going to say I felt sorry for him, but nobody wanted him there. You know, nobody. Oh, wanted him there. oh he was literally lambs to the slaughter from day one, and this was early enough in his tenure when I was there. Maybe he was only about eight or nine games in, and it was very much a case of we are wasting our time with this with this guy. And uh, you know what? Uh, you, it didn't really come across. Obviously, I watched it on TV yesterday. It didn't really come across on the TV. I did feel that the West Ham fans were bang up for the game, and why wouldn't they be? They're in fourth position. Oh, they had a great day. They had a great a day. day. But they had a great day from from yeah from minute one. And, and I see that on the screen. Their ground was really quiet. It came across as quiet on on the on the screen on the the TV screens and and, and through the audio. And that's not to say that the fans are, are were bad or anything like that. But I think that there was nothing to kind of get them off their seats. And even when the team sheet was announced, I'm sure you're going to come to that in a moment. We won't talk about it too much now. Even when the team sheet was announced, I had a bit of a wander in my mind and I went down a bit of a ramble on our podcast and went on a lot of a ramble, to be honest with you, because I wasn't sure I was expecting the formational change. But even that didn't seem to kind of get people fired up because we didn't own the ball in the first 15 minutes of the game at all. And, you know, they, they, they scored early and... You know, there was nothing really to get excited to get off your seat about. It was it was a mundane enough uh, performance, I think, from from start to finish. But it was mundane even to, to to start the game, even should I say? Yeah, Tim Sherwood used to say that the football was Jack Grealish's friend. The football was not Villa's friend on on Sunday, not at all. We'll come on to it. But yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the team selection because I would say that Smith went quite nuclear with what he did, ripped up the three at the back that we'd been having for maybe four or five games, four or five weeks. Now, at the start, it seemed like it was a formation that was working really well, but by the end of it, I think a lot of the fans, especially on social media, had had enough of, of three at the back. Yeah, we've got injuries, so Ings and Louise were, were, were both missing. You know, Jacob Ramsey's gone off early as well, which, which hasn't helped things at all. I feel if Danny Ings had been fit, I don't think Leon Bailey would would have started but uh, we'll come on to Leon Bailey later in the show but the biggest talking point I guess was the club captain Tyrone Mings was relegated to the substitutes bench not sure what you think of that Neil but we mean you were speaking before we came on and I think Hawes was playing specifically to deal with Antonio and to an extent I know we've shipped four goals but I would say he did a decent job against him especially in the first half but I'm just not really sure that Dean Smith made the statement that he thinks he did by dropping Tyrone Mings because I, I watch Villa's bat line without Tyrone Mings and whether you whether you love him or whether you hate him and that, that, that or whether you're in between you know, there's Villa fans that really rate him highly there's Villa fans that, that think he's a calamity but when he's not on the pitch there is absolutely no organise organisation and there's not much leadership either and I just felt at the start there was no there was no one getting the team together and that first goal that we conceded we weren't all over the place. It's just people doing the wrong things, being in the wrong positions, getting dragged across. And I mean, when the right, a young right back's cutting on his left foot and bending one in the corner, and it's just no one's near him. It's it's too passive. There's no no intensity. I'm not saying Mings absolutely changes that, but I do feel he makes a difference. You're right. And and, and what we lost yesterday was the leadership aspect. You know, we we lost the leadership aspect. Like I, I'm not sure I can name a leader in the team. Emmy Martinez potentially. 
Um, well, not potentially, absolutely. He, he seems like the father of the team, you know, the, the, the elder statesman in there that can, you know, that's it's guaranteed to start every game. I think he is. He's the oldest person that starts every game. And uh, he's going to be there and he's going to be able to chat to people and talk talk through people. And he did one, there was there was one interesting piece that uh, I saw Amy Martinez do when um, we had our the first corner. He brought John McGinn over, gave him the clear instructions about what to do. And he went and, I don't know whether he did it or not, but it looked like he did. We didn't concede from it anyway. But like that's kind of the leadership that we were kind of missing. And John McGinn was our captain. And maybe we weren't getting that from John McGinn around there. So like I, I might be a bit tangential there because I haven't barely mentioned Mings, but dropping Mings, I'd like to know what the actual what the actual stated reason from uh, Dean Smith was. I haven't heard it yet. I thought that like when I saw the team specifically, I went to okay. House is there in, and he's in. He's going to be left footed, and 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 he's going to put him on the left side. And he's going to have Kanzi in on the right hand side. And the reason he's there is to deal with the fact, fact that Mikel Antonio is so good in the air, and he's scoring goals for fun. And at West Ham, have something like twenty one goals since since last February or something like that. In the in it's unbelievable, from, from right? Although he didn't score against us. Yeah, yeah. but but right, from set, set pieces, pieces, I mean. I mean, let's celebrate that we didn't concede a set piece yesterday. It's the first time for a while that we've been able to say yeah. that. Is it? Isn't it? You know, we actually dealt with set pieces pretty well. Which again, probably one of the reasons that that Hawes was put in there. But I just, I, I, Dean Smith yeah. did explain it, but I didn't really, I didn't really get the reasoning. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I, I can't say that I really understood it because people say Mings is out of form. You know, I, I would say Conser's off form. And has been for a few weeks. I think, I think this, since, since the Spurs game, Conce has been equally as off form as, as Mings. Axel Twanzabi's been relegated to the bench. You know, he hasn't been good the last two games. No. Other than Matty Cash, McGinn's quite up and down, I would say, has a good game than he has a bad game. The only consistency I'm seeing from a Villa player at the moment is Matty Cash. Yeah, and that's so You could point. have dropped anyone. I just, you could have dropped anyone. That's what I'm saying. I just, I just don't think that dropping the club captain, I, I don't think that's, that was the right thing to do. But that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And and you know what? Um, I I think that's that's a very fair point. Um, I'm just not sure where I come down. I'm not sitting on the fence about it. I I like a state. Mm. I like a statement. You know, I think when your back is to the wall, sometimes you have to make a statement. Um, and look, there you go. Claimed claimed uh, West Ham Seppies. I hadn't seen that. I had I haven't seen Dean Smith's uh, post match interview. I haven't read anything today. I'm on a Villa news ban essentially today because I can't handle it. Um, can't handle. Uh, I mean, we've done well to get you on a podcast, considering what's going on in your life. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But um, if if that is the reasoning, look, there's a, there's a modicum of sanity towards it. Um, I suppose really the next big thing here for is. You know, when we are talking about leaders and we've got somebody like Tyrone Mings and Aston Villa have put him, you know, up on a pedestal as a football club, they really appreciate him as a player um, and they've gotten him into the England squad. You know, what does he do from this now? Does he rally the team around him or does he continue to have arguments with John McGinn in the field so publicly? Does he does he go back to the to, to the Tyrone Mings that pulled El Ghazi into shape after that West Ham game last season, I think it was, when they had a very public roaring match on the field? That was more of the leadership of Tyrone Mings, but the the the, the kind of it, it it seems like if if there was something in the himself and McGinn thing, it seems like he's lost that argument. And I think it's up to him now if he wants to. And this is once again, this is just my opinion. It's just reading between the lines for everything. I don't know if any of this is true at all. But if there is something in that, and he wants to to really galvanize this galvanize this team, 
he can do that because he is such a big leader. And sometimes maybe maybe there was there was a lack of response to that, and Dean Smith felt that maybe you know we can I can get this get the fire back in this guy's belly here. He's having a bit of a wobble or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But good leaders will go through thick and thin, and this is thin at the moment. And whoever is going Very to be thin. that leader, as you say, whoever's going to be the the leader, is going to is going to put up their hands. Or you know. Um, Things won't go so well, uh, but I, I and I said to you beforehand, Dan, that you know we, you mentioned there that Matty Cash is probably the only guy that's undroppable at the moment because he's playing so well, and we have Matty Target on the left left hand side as well, and and I think Matty Target was was, was quite anonymous. Uh, I, I think is is a, is a, a safe word to use. I don't want to call him poor because he put in put in as much of an effort as he could. It just didn't go right for him. He passed balls. Um, uh, against other players, pass balls out of play. He was done for for the first goal. Himself and Bailey were done really for the first goal and, and bits and pieces like that. But um, is there a conversation here? If we want to to shore up the left back, I just saw Ashley Young put up there. No, 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 no. Is what there, are you going to say? You said it to me before we came up. No. Is there a conversation no. that Tyrone Mings plays left back to stem the bleeding just for a while? Just for a while to play left back to stem the, the bleeding? No. That, I mean, I can't you might, have well, Ashley Young you might as well go back to three at the back as, as do that. Well, interesting you talk about Ashley Young, actually, because, you know, he ended up coming on for Ramsey pretty early on in the game and playing central midfield. And I, God, again, my opinion, you know, I, I'm obviously a huge backer of Dean Smith, but I do think he got a few things wrong yesterday. And obviously we are on a terrible run at the moment. But the decision to bring Ashley Young on in central midfield, I put a tweet out and it's not meant to be disrespectful for Ashley Young because I've got a lot of respect for him and I think he's a good signing and he's someone who will be really, really good for the football club. He's never been a central midfielder in his palm. He's never been a central midfielder, isn't uh-huh. it? You know, the same age as me. He just he hasn't he hasn't got the legs to play central midfield. Perhaps he was brought on because we were lacking a bit of direction, maybe a bit a bit of leadership. But for me, that that midfield yesterday, we, we we're giving ourselves no chance having him on having him in the midfield three. It's just not his position. It's not what he was brought in to do. It's the mm-hmm. second time we've done that now this season. I didn't think it worked particularly well against Brentford at home, and you know. You've got, I know things aren't great at the moment, but you've got one of the best youngsters in the country kicking his heels on the bench in Chukwemeka. Get, get, get him on for Ramsey. You're replacing okay. a young player for a young player. I know Ramsey's got a few, got a few more, well, a fair few more senior starts under under his belt than Chukwemeka. But if he's not coming on in those situations when when you're behind, when things aren't going well, when we've got a mountain full of injuries in midfield, and then you're seeing a 36-year-old backup fullback come on in midfield for you instead, that, that's not good, I don't think. Mm. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. And once again, a lot of the time when I'm on podcasts, even my own, I try to play devil's advocate or maybe even just try and play the other side sometimes because I nobody wants to see Ashley Young midfield, central midfield. I don't even want to see Ashley Young left wing. Um, I, I, he's there to play fullback. He's there to play fullback. He's there to play fullback in a push as well. He's there for his leadership. He's there for his leadership piece. He's there to be a mentor for a lot of players. Uh, we're just pushed into having to play him. We weren't pushed into play him in this instance. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. Um, that. Yeah, Carney should have come on. Okay, my biggest problem with Carney at the moment is even at the under twenty three level, Carney looks very slow, and I think that potentially. Do you mean slow with slow with the ball no, releasing no, 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 the ball? No, no, or do you no, mean... no, just just like like I just I I think he's got a long stride, but he's not particularly fast over ground. Now. Is Ashley Young fast over ground? 
w- did he want to have a flat three in the middle for a press? I'm not saying that Chuck Wenka is bad. I know I'm going to get pelters for this. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's got a long stride. It takes him a long time to build up pace. That's just what I've seen in a, in a short space of time with him. Maybe something like that against the, against the likes of Jar- Jared Bourne because he was coming on to play on the left-hand side of midfield. Jared Bourne was already giving batty target splinters at that stage. So, you know, maybe bringing someone on there that had him yeah, in, had cover a behind Baylor. Yeah, to cover him behind. Potentially, look, and I'm just talking about uh, what, what no, no. Pot- potentially what could have happened there. I would have liked to seen him come on. I, I would have liked seen Carney come on. You know, he's one of the better players in, in, in the club, um, or better young players in, in, in English football at the moment. And we, you know, he's he he started him against Brentford. You know, so so we know that yeah, he, he, that's he can do stuff. He's magic with the ball, his feet. He's very good. He hit the post against uh, against Spurs at the end of last season, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, like, you know, this kid can really play, and we're all very, very excited about him. I'm just trying to think, why wouldn't he have come off the bench? And that's, re- that's, that's all I got. That's all I got, really, yeah. is, is that Young was there to kind of babysit Matty Target for a bit. And that's not right. That shouldn't be needed. Exactly. That shouldn't be needed. It shouldn't be needed. It shouldn't be needed. And also, you know, you've lost a bit of dynamism with Jacob Ramsey going off. Mm. You know, you've lost a ball carrier there in your your central midfield. Central midfield, you know, it's all sort of a bit safe. I know there was injuries yesterday. Louise is, you know, Louise is a massive miss when he doesn't play. What was the story with Louise? He does. does, I think he's he's either injured. He's either injured or ill. He does, he, he does a lot of things that the other midfielders can't do. He's, he's good with the ball away. So I think when he doesn't play as the deepest midfielder, I, I think he is a miss. But yeah, I, just, I wasn't having that, subject, that substitution yeah. yesterday. I, we wouldn't, I mean, I'm not a manager, but it just wouldn't have been what, what I would have done. And I don't think it, it made us any better. And straight away, as soon as it happened, I said to my, my dad, I completely, completely disagree with that for the reasons that I've, I've already said when I was asking you the yeah. question. But I just didn't think it worked. You know, we've lost the game 4-1. Did that work? And you know Probably what? Not. And you know what? I, I I can say with a modicum of, of certainty that people would have felt a lot better. Uh, no, as, uh, take this at a pinch of salt. But losing 4-1 with Karen Chuck Mwekka coming on and getting 80 minutes under his belt and still losing 4-1, there's a hell of a lot of a better feeling that we got to at least see what he could do up against some really good midfielders and Declan Rice and Suchek. And who's to know? Maybe we, would, we don't lose 4-1. But what happened was Ashley Young came on and he came on early and you know he didn't. Well, he didn't have a bad game. He just was in ineffectual. No, no, I'm not saying that. I just don't think it suits him playing there. It, it's just not. It's, it's a, not him. It's a weird one. And to be honest with you, the fan base don't need to see weird things happen from a substitution like that. Particularly, especially when not now. Yeah, particularly when we're on losing streak. And secondly, when there's certain people like that are, are calling for Smith out, I think this is this is a reason to look at it and say. Yeah, look, you could have brought on Kenny Chuck Mueka, and we we could have all got to see what, what what we could have seen. But he didn't make it off the bench, and and and, and you know, reasoning being obviously because it was a red card, which led to one substitution, an injury, which led to another. And then Al Ghazi came on for Leon Bailey, who was always going to come off at some stage. He was never going to play ninety minutes. But yeah, look, I suppose realistically, it's very fair to say that Dean Smith did make a rod for his back by bringing Ashley Young on there. Based on more so, based on anything, you know, perception, the way the result of the game went, you know, it just, and I hate this phrase, I really hate it, and I hope I never use it again, but it just wasn't a good look, you know, for what the fans expected, what the fans wanted, and and what seemed like mm. the logical thing to do. Did he overthink it? No. Did he overthink it? Potentially. And that's where, where Ashley Young came on. I mean, it wasn't a great day again for Emmy Buendia, but he was involved. 
in the goal with a nice bit of work down the right-hand side, squaring the ball for Watkins. Won't be the brightest strike of his life, Watkins, but it found its way in via Fabianski's foot. He looked, I would say generally, he looked more comfortable leading the line up on, on his own again. I had a feeling he'd get back on the score sheet yesterday when, when I saw that he was playing on, on his own up top because that's what he did all last season and that, that's what he did so well. So we got ourselves back in the game. The, the crowd got up a little bit and you start to think, right, OK, there's something to work with here now. Then within five, ten minutes again, passive, let someone shoot. We're back, we're back behind. It's it's all these kind of traits at the moment, conceding bad, bad goals at bad times. It's a nice strike from Declan Rice. I don't think it's the cleanest strike he'll ever, ever hit in, in his life. But it, again, it just felt like the first goal. There's no one coming out to close him down. There's no one putting him under pressure. He's got time to pick the corner out and get and get his shot away. And, you know, when you're in, we're not in a dogfight, but, you know, when, when things aren't going well, you want to see a bit of bodies on the line. You want to see players getting in front of shots. And we, we just didn't see that for either of the first two goals. And with hindsight being twenty twenty, who gets their body on the line? Who dives and gets blocks in for, for shots in the box? Number five. You know, yeah. he does. And yeah. and, and and look, um, it, like hindsight is always a clear set of eyes. You know, so so like who's to say that he doesn't do that again? It's um, the first goal we mentioned there, Ben Johnson. I don't think Emmy Buendias or Emmy Martinez is getting to that. I do those, and I know it came late him through through a lot of bodies, and and his position wasn't bad by any means. He just got down very very late to it, and and, and I think it was savable. Yes, it was in the corner, but by no means that it much venom behind it, you know. So I was a small a bit critical. I said Martinez should save both of them on second viewing. The first one, I'm not so sure. The second one. I think he could have done a small bit more, but you mentioned Emi Buendia there as well. He was, he was quite good. He got in around the ball and we, we had him on the right-hand side and that, that right wing where people have been crying out for him to play, which is fantastic. That's why he played for Norwich and we got to see a small little bit of him there. And he, that ball from McGinn was absolutely sublime to him. That's probably the only highlight of, uh, of the game. The only, the only big highlight of the game for me that, that perfect reverse slide rule pass to Emi Buendia and Emi Buendia takes it in. And, and that's something we haven't been doing. I'm sick of us crossing the ball. I'm sick of us crossing the ball at the moment. So taking it to the byline and getting it in low or even cutting it back to the penalty area, that causes a small bit of consternation, especially against Dogbana and I can't remember. Zuma. Zuma. Yeah, yeah. They were going to hit the ball away all day long. And, and Ollie Watkins ain't known for playing the ball in the air and neither is Leon Bailey. So I was a bit amused and befuddled about why we were just limiting ourselves. And, and West Ham were, 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 were doing it on purpose. They were funneling us out to the wings to cross the ball in. So why wouldn't you when you've Suchek and Rice inside there? They're like two hulks inside there, like two wrestlers inside there. You know, they're not going to get past they're, them. They're a joke. They're brilliant. They're brilliant. They're and, a and, joke. We, and we should, like, we spoke at the end of last season and I said, a Papa Booba Diop type player that just stands inside there and is as wide as he is tall and is just able to block up space. Yeah, um, like, and those two guys are able to do it. But you know what? Those two boys can ping a pass from 60 yards as well. They're very good and they're a great complement to each other. Uh, but you know, as it pains, they do me, everything. pains me to say that we don't have one of those in our team, um, it would be great. But they funnel people out wide and those crosses were bread and butter an awful lot of the day um, to, uh, to, to West Ham. Maybe apart from the one that Watkins heads off the heads off the bar, which could have made us two two, um, and and McGinn actually got a header as well, header away, but it went tamely wide uh, in the first half too. But uh, they 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 dealt with a lot of the balls into the air, uh, into the box 
pretty easily. But when we ran at them and got down the side of them, like they're, they're your archetypal Yerimina type defenders as well. If you get down the side of them, they don't like turning. You know, they're like, if you've ever seen Zoolander, Zoolander does, can't turn to his left uh, <laughs> on the catwalk. A lot of defenders find it very, very difficult to turn from one side or the other. And we never get down, down, uh, down the sides of them. But uh, hopefully that will change now when we've got our formation changed a small bit more. Um, we get we get into those more uh, true balls as opposed to crosses because I'm kind of done with crossing the ball at the moment. We just don't do anything from it. Yeah, worth saying as well, but Ramsey's been ruled out for six weeks, so we're not going to have him <laughs> available in, in, in midfield for the foreseeable future. So I would say at the moment, playing 4 3 3 might even end up being a problem depending on what happens with Louise and whether we can get him back for, for Friday. There just was... back to Sue, Check and Rice. There... Sorry, sorry no, no, no. Back go, to... go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Sujek and Rice, I, I did the Totally Football show this morning and, you know, they, they, they do everything that our midfield doesn't do, to being perfectly honest, because they give the defence such protection. They're, they're so solid in front of that back four. The back four quite often doesn't have a lot of work to do because it doesn't even make it to them because of Rice and Suchek. But what they also do is they just give that platform for the for the front players to do their thing, knowing that, you know, they can do what they need to do because they've got Rice and Suchek behind them. And they, they both pop up with goals as well. You know, Declan Rice has scored three already this season. He, they cover so much. They just do everything. And, it, you know, I knew that game would probably be lost in, in midfield if we were going to lose it. And I think it probably was in that first half because West Ham, they just had that ability to make the pitch seem absolutely massive yeah. when they attacked. And everything's moved fast. The passes are with purpose. It zipped passes. Everything's the right way. With Villa, we have that ability to just make the pitch seem really, really small, compact, condensed. Everything's slow. The passes don't have the right way. So the difference between West Ham and Villa in that first half of me was just absolutely night and day, even though it was only 2-1. You're dead right. And uh, and I... You know, the, the way that they set up as well with Jared Bone is basically given a license to literally just run straight and fast whenever he needs to. And he pins back, um, he pins back defenders. You know, he means that you have to pin back defenders. And what that allows you to do is it allows Antonio to stay right up top. So you've got two out balls. So, and this is the difference when Villa, even when Villa were playing with two up top, when Villa were playing an out ball, it was to Watkins. It was to Watkins, really, if they had to go along with an out ball. Danny Ings was usually withdrawn, maybe a small little bit. And, and, you know, Watkins had to cover all the way across the field. With West Ham, they can go long and high to Antonio, who can win his own ball in the air. We don't have a centre forward that can do that. Or they could go out to the wing, whatever wing Jared Bone was on. And Jared Bone can be withdrawn, maybe draw the, the full back forward. And then he's got the legs on anyone to run past them. So he's it's very, very smart the way they do it because he a lot of the time he starts higher and, and allows Antonio then Antonio's position to be higher as well, which pushes your fullbacks back. And then of course they've got Fornals coming in off the other wing. It and Ben Rama and those the, the two of them interchange. So they've got a nice setup in, in, in physical physical attributes up there as well that Villa don't have. But as you said, the backbone of it is the fact that they can do what those four guys can do whatever they want up front because they know they've got the two brick shit houses in front of the defense. And that's just, that's, that's like, that's a comfort blanket for every single team. And if we remember, don't let, you know, don't forget that when, when Everton were really, really performing really well as well, their two shields in front of the defense were Marouane Fellaini when he was good and Phil Neville. I know Phil Neville doesn't have the big mass muscular Phil stature, Neville. but Phil Neville that was able to guy, play that. Phil Neville. But he, he was able to play You would have messed with Phil Neville. You no. had not messed with Phil Neville, would yeah, you? Yeah, he was ratty. Like, he was a ratty man, and he'd, he'd, he'd let you know that you were, <laughs> you were there. And 
you know, so Moyes knows how to set up that block in front of the defence. And this shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone that he's able to do this. But the two players he has he has at his disposal now are just masterful at it as well. So they're feeding off each other along with the, along with uh, with Moyes' tactics. So um, I think Moyes deserves an awful lot of, an awful lot of credit for this West Ham team. Um, you know, he's dead and buried as a manager. Failed out in Spain. Um, in uh, in, in with, with with Sunderland, you know, West Ham the first time they didn't give him another crack at it, and now he's come back and, you know, he's obviously self scouted and looked himself in the mirror, and, you know, now he's a commodity again, I suppose, for what he's done. Yeah, let's talk second half then. So, in one place to start, really, the, the sending off could have perhaps been two red cards, could have perhaps been been no red cards. I mean, VAR obviously ended up getting involved. I think I think personally, Horses was probably a red, but they've ended up sending off concert. I'm not convinced by the concert concert. I'm not. I, I agree that Ashley Young was was there or thereabouts on the cover, and it didn't feel deliberate. It felt like a little bit of a tangle of legs to me. I don't think Concer's made an attempt to to play the ball or play the man. I think he's just running. How, how did you see the sending off? Um, yeah, I, I thought Concer's one was harsh. Um, I. Do still have a lot of Claret and Blue glasses on with regards to houses one. I think my 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 criticalness, if that's a word, of of Courtney Hawes in that one was that he didn't bite at the tackle earlier. I think he left he gave the referee a decision because he hesitated when Fornells miscontrolled the ball the first time. Um, so he could have gone in, he could have cleaned man and ball, and the ball could have gone 40 yards up the field, but he gave it another second, and then it was another split second. And then when he did, he had to stay upright. Um, in the tackle because he couldn't go to ground because Fernandes was that that bit closer to the ball. I think I think the Courtney Howes one, like there's a lot of momentum in it. His his forearm was up, but I think he's a very much a big man, small man tackle. The forearm, if the forearm catches him two inches lower in the into the chest as opposed to you know up more up more around here, I don't think we're even talking about a red card at that stage. Um, but look, it, it happened the way it is. I can see the way there there was a, uh, there's a talking point in it, but. I would have felt it was harsh if he had gotten the red card because I can guarantee you that if um, if somebody like Joel Matip makes a tackle like that, he doesn't get a red card for it. Um, so I don't think Courtney, Courtney House should either. And then that brings me on to the Kanza one where Johnny Evans makes a tackle very similar to that um, and that, the day before and gets a yellow card for it and Kanza mm-hmm. gets a red card for it. That's not saying that Kanza should have been should have been admonished for, for the tackle. I think it was a tangling. I think... The one, it's it's very much a defender goes behind the striker like that. I don't know what Kanza was doing going behind him or whether Jared Bone came in front of him. I think the reason that Kanza got sent off there was because they had to make two decisions. Was it a foul? Was it outside the box? And was it a red card? But the thing that annoys me with this is that, and I don't know, somebody will, will I'm sure will correct us. I don't know what the rule is here. But the referee had dealt with the situation on field with a yellow card. Yeah, he saw, it as a, he saw it as a yellow card offence initially. Exactly. He saw it as a yellow card and he dished out the yellow card. It wasn't serious foul play in the fact that it wasn't a high tackle. It wasn't a leg break or anything like that. So VAR overturning those. Like if, that, if this was after the game, you wouldn't be able to give somebody a retrospective red card. And I know people are going to say, well, obviously that's what VAR is there so that we don't have these situations. But this wasn't a horror tackle. The referee saw it as a yellow card. It wasn't a penalty. I don't know. I don't know. Is that is that the correct? No. It is by the law, obviously, because VAR were allowed to do it. But I don't know going forward if if I was writing the rules of VAR, not just because that, the Villa player, the referee has dealt with it, you know, and 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 you know, realistically, if, because we're talking about it now, 
they're because of the marginal marginal aspect of it was it clear and obvious I, I don't think it was and therefore VAR shouldn't really be able to get involved in it but they did and I hope that it's uh it's applied across the whole lot of the league going forward but we saw that it wasn't on Saturday and it was on Sunday so once again clarity and leadership from VAR and from the Premier League hmm. just in there I don't think we'll ever get that no. one thing that um has alarmed me a bit in the last couple of games. I thought it in the Arsenal game for the third goal. I thought Concer was a little bit keen to engage, a little bit keen to press as a centre-back for the Arsenal third goal. And then we just got caught out and they, they ended up scoring via a deflection. Same with Hawes, really. A bit too keen to, to engage and to just hold your ground a little bit. Someone's running at you. Don't commit. Jockey, hold your ground a little bit. I feel there's some bad decision-making going on at the back all round. And I'm not saying Mings doesn't make bad decisions, by the way, because he absolutely does. But I just feel like there's, there's bad decisions going around at the, at the back at the moment. And then Mings ends up coming on it anyway. And there was a brief period where Villa looked a little bit galvanised. McGinn's managed to ping one back across on, the, on his right foot and Watkins has hit the bar. You know, at that point, we were, you know, with 10 men even, we were still in the game. We were, we were even the commentators just saying it in TV. They were like, this is galvanised Aston Villa. And we were 2-1 down. And as I say, that was the period of time. When the I, crowd got up a little bit as well. Did. Yeah, they did. And, and Watkins hit the, hit the bar. And, you know, mm. I, I was watching it and I was going, Jesus, this would be some result if we were to bring this back to 2-2. The house might explode because... Um, you know, the crowd would have really got behind us if we got it to 2-2 because there was a kind of a sense, I would imagine, in the ground of a bit of victimization of the fact that we had the red card against us and the two goals were, I'm not going to say against the run of play because they weren't because West Ham were all over us you know, and they owned the ball Controlled in that the period. First half, they yeah. really did, but they were, out of the, they were out of the ordinary goals in the way that they were scored. You know, you don't, you, you don't expect two of those to go in in such a short space of time. But I think if we got it back to 2-2... <laughs> oh, I, I expect that kind of thing at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I expect... But... I expect anything after the Wolves game. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 like we get back to two two. Who who who's to know? You know that we don't try and shut up shop. But um, we did. We kept it at two one. Uh, we 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 lost our footing after that 10, 12 minutes spell. We lost our footing, and then we really ran out of steam. And that's just shown by the calamity of the third goal. Really, you know, oh, it was it was a real in calamity. the third goal. I, I, I yeah, it was <sighs> grim. Yeah. It's because because basically I, mean, I see it as the perfect storm. There's so much stuff's happened for that for that third goal in the in the lead up to it. So four nows has made a bad foul on the camber. Probably not a red card, but you know, it's a bad foul. But there's an opportunity for the referee to play advantage. He doesn't do it. He calls it back. So at that point you think, ooh, it might be a red card here because he, he's called it back. Surely if it was only going to be a yellow, he could he'd have just waved play on and gone back and booked him afterwards. So no advantage played, no red card. Our player's got to walk off the pitch because he's been down on the floor. He's he's injured. We have a free kick. They break from the free kick. Target makes a bad foul. The referee does decide that this time he will play advantage and go back and book target later. They break. And then the guy who made the foul on the camber in the first place, four nows, is the one that sticks the ball in the back of the net. I mean, when things are going badly, that kind of thing, that, that's just vintage Villa for me. It's that, that's why I'm there. Just to, to see things like that, that, that's what I've become used to over the years. That's what I'm there for. It's pantomime film sort of stuff, and it always hits us, you know. We never get that those breaks. Like you go back to even when we we're playing, was it in the it was in the championship? We played Brentford and Neil Mope should have been sent off for a high tackle. 
And then 10 minutes later, he's sticking the oh, ball in the back of the net. bad one again, that was. Yeah, and he's sticking the ball yeah. in the back of the net to win the game from him then. You know, and we're going, oh, my God. And, and, and things like, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I could very well be mistaken on this one, I think we played... Was it last year in January that Paul Pogba should he have been off the field and then he ends up getting this nasty penalty where he kicks out a, a Douglas Louise and goes down and gets the penalty? Little things like that. It does happen to us. And I'm sure there's probably um the you know, there's lots of other podcasts for lots of other teams saying that they never get the breaks too. But but I don't think that we're being very kind of uh we don't have a victim syndrome when we're talking about talking about this because you know, we talk about it every other game, you know, that something didn't go our way and then it went the other team's way. I mean, we deserve to lose. I'm not making excuses, yes. but that kind of we thing the, is vintage. We were the worst team. Like, of the two teams, we were the worst team uh, at the weekend. We're not admonishing blame. And Smith made mistakes. And, and and there was a lack of effort in certain areas of the field and in certain aspects of play um, from the players. We're not admonishing anymore. We're not making excuses. We're just calling certain aspects of what happened on the field as we see it. And I think that a lot of these things were, you know, as you said, it's the perfect storm. But, you know, at the end of the day, if if we do a bit better with the free kick, we don't have, they don't break, you know. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I and I really think I really, really, really think, you know, the, the secret sauce from the set piece set pieces, both defending them, which never we never had the secret sauce for that this season, but certainly scoring from them. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, I mean, we did briefly try a Leon Bailey long throw for, for for a few times in in the first half. Didn't really look like it was something he'd ever done before. In all honesty, by the, the technique of of his throw-ins, but maybe we will say that again. Maybe we won't. But you know, three-one game over yeah. with ten men. There's there's no coming back from that. And you think oh, we'll probably go on and ship a couple more. Obviously, we ended up just shipping one more. Villa Villa Park starts to empty. I can't even be bothered to dissect. The fourth goal, the game's Didn't over. Villa, uh, Villa in disarray. Well, you've got things going on, so we'll, <laughs> we'll let you off. Villa in disarray, letting in the fourth goal at that point. As I say, Villa Park absolutely beginning to empty at this point. So looking back, you know, the things that I liked of that game. That's something I did like in the second half. It felt a bit like, you know, when Nakamba plays, he's always the deepest midfielder. He's always the sitter. He didn't really have the license to press. There was a good spell in the second half where McGinn seemed to sit and the Canberra seemed to have this license to press. And he did win the ball a few times high up the pitch. I quite liked the shackles being off him in that respect a little bit. So I liked that. I liked Leon Bailey being fit and being able to start a game because every time I've, I've watched Leon Bailey, I've sat there and thought, Bailey, I love you. He was quiet yesterday. I think it's now for him, it's about getting some rhythm and getting some minutes in the tank for him because he's going to be a fantastic player for us and we need to get him going because he's a he's a game changer from what I've seen so far. But tough opposition to come in against West Ham yesterday and I do think if Ings had been fit, I do think you'd have seen Bailey coming on from the bench instead of, instead of being in from the start. But I'm not seeing many things that I do like from Villa in general at the moment, Neil. And Friday becomes massive now. You know, we're both, I think we can agree, we're both smithing. Please be kind on the live chat. I know there may be some abuse at, at this point, but he is under some pressure now because four oh, defeats in a row in the Premier League, any manager comes under pressure at that point. Yeah. And when we say we're smithing, like smithing for the time being, obviously, realistically speaking, I want him to be able to put us out of this funk and, and, and to play. I really think stability, Same. the stability, the reason we want him in there is for stability. And also, you, you know, like, it, it's a slim pickings out there. I don't think Nuno is the man to... And, and look, it's just because I, I, I just think that uh, 
the, the, the you know may not be the man. He may very well be. Who who knows? But like, who, who do we go that. for? Who do we go for there? Like, I, I I saw somebody genuinely putting forward the likes of Zidane on on, on Twitter yesterday. Zidane isn't coming to play to shop in the bullring. Much not as I love the bullring, and I love going to shop there. Believe me, and I would love to go there every weekend to do it. Zidane, Zidane ain't coming to 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 Birmingham. Um, if anything, um, so I, I uh, look I, with this million stuff. Um, it, it does need to be said that yes, look, uh, we we were not completely ignoring the fact that it's possible that he gets sacked. Um. So I, I, oh, I, I don't think it will happen, but it, it is, is a possibility. He's, yeah. I mean, he's bounced back from lower than this before, I would say, both well, in the Championship and in the Premier League. Well, he's I, come back from tougher situations than this, I think. Statistically, I think somebody said that we'd never lost more than two games under uh, two games in a row under him. Um, yet we've lost first four time since twenty twelve, Villa have lost four in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Like and I know it's it's a snapshot and and people say that the the league table doesn't lie well it does lie in November it doesn't lie in the first week of June when when the when the season is over um although if you talk to some uh, Bournemouth fans they'll tell you that it did lie because of Hawkeye in in 2019 but uh, well, we're not allowed to exist on this planet Neil because no. of because of Hawkeye that's yeah. the only reason Aston Villa is still around it's the only reason Villa are a football club because exactly. of Hawkeye because of Hawkeye yeah yeah it's nothing to do with yeah. William McGregor but um. You, you know, it, it does start to get dicey. It does, like there's more than murmurings there about about Dean Smith being on the hot seat. Bookies have him favourite as next to go, and we have to acknowledge mm. that. You know, I would. Love he was twenty two to one before the game. You know, yeah, I had a he's look. Gone in, he's gone into he forty five, and now. now he's not. Yeah, he's gone into forty five. Yeah, so it's it's it, it's a big thing, and we, you do need to acknowledge it. And look, we're not silly here. We're not looking at it here, and we're not we're not. I you know we're not completely blind to the fact that he could be sacked. You know, we just we just genuinely don't think that now is probably the time that they're going to do it. They may do it in January, they may do it in February, and uh, but we, I, I personally hope he pulls us out of this and he gets us rocketing up the league again. And I think everybody does really because none of us go out here to like we all want Aston Villa to win. Whether you like Dean Smith or you don't, myself and Dan are going to sit here and we really want Aston Villa to win. And realistically speaking, if it's Doris, the tea lady who gained great notoriety when Doug Ellis was was with the club. If Doris is managing the team, I don't care as long as we're winning, you know, and as long as as long as we can see progression there. And I think we've seen it with Dean Smith and I'm willing to give him a chance. I just don't think that there's that that we can put our hand on anywhere at the moment to come in. and, and, And I don't even think that we get a bounce from anybody at the moment. But I think that Dean Smith can potentially sort this out. I hope. Sorry, I'm going to say I hope Dean Smith can sort it out. I hope he does. Because I want him to do it. I will say we're a little bit more in flux moment than perhaps yes. I expected. Um, we, I'm a bit uneasy about certain things that I am seeing. And, you know, ultimately Dean Smith does carry the can for that because he is the manager. Mm. But, you know, the players need to look at themselves as well. As Other than Matty Cash, I don't think there's anyone playing anywhere near their best level yeah. at the moment. He, even, even the goalkeeper, I think, is an exceptional world-class goalkeeper. I don't think he's at the level he was... Last season, currently, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot to work with in that squad. The th- signing three players to replace Jack suddenly doesn't look the most clever thing in the world because the only formation we can play all those players is four four two. It is the only thing we can do, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to going to be the answer. So we've done a lot of shoehorning this season. We haven't had a fully fit squad all season. That is going to be a problem. Any team's going to struggle when they don't have everyone to pick from at a certain point in the season, and up to now. We have not had that, and it doesn't look like we're going to have it 
for the foreseeable. So I think there is mitigating circumstances. There is a mini rebuild because the football club, it was too Jack centric. Mm. You look back now and it absolutely was too Jack really centric and recovering from that is going to be hard. We've lost our way a little bit. The Wolves collapse has absolutely made us poo the bed. Mm. We have not, we have not recovered from that at all. That hour from the end of the Wolves going to the Arsenal, the start of the Arsenal game, there just hasn't been a recovery. They're going to need one on Friday because five in a row is a problem. Yeah. And then it is the international break. And if you would expect, I don't think they will, but you would expect if any ownership was going to act, it would be after another defeat on Friday. So he needs to do something and get a result on Friday to relieve a little bit of pressure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think if we if we don't, like Friday is an absolute, I don't think it's a must win. I think it's definite must must not lose. And I said the exact same thing about, about West Ham. You want to say a performance. Yeah, you want, they, exactly. That's what I'm getting at here. You want to see a performance. You want to see leaders. You want to see a bit of camaraderie there. You want to see something that's going, something, something click together once more. Um, it's a short turnaround. You know, and, and and you'll you'll hear this this is where I do this is where I do my match of the day spot. You know, some players would prefer to have a short turnaround so they can put the record right, you know, after that game at the weekend. Mm. Uh, very Alan Hansen there to say something like that. But um I, I think I think we need to have a have a, a, a kind of resurgence on Friday against against uh, Southampton for two reasons because Aston Villa Football Club, we spent years we spent the last five six seven years wanting to have players playing international football wanting to have these good players willing jack Grealish into the english setup and now we've got quite a lot of players playing international football and i am dreading the fact that they're going on international football at the moment i'm dreading like i think leon bailey should be should be handcuffed to something in Bodymore heat so that he missed his flight to jamaica because we just like we're weird ones above all other teams. We're we're suffering massively from these international breaks. The travel shite that goes on. Excuse, sorry for sorry for for swearing. I know it's not my podcast, but oh, I don't care. It's after nine o'clock now. The, the the travel stuff, like Emmy Emmy Martinez, fair play to him, went home. So he's so his dad. Absolutely no criticism over that. No way. I like. Family's family, got to do it. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing of, and it may not happen the next time, coming back at two o'clock in the morning to play a match at, at uh, you know, at twelve o'clock that the, the next day, that's not, yeah, not fair. Good. Like, there's 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 employment laws around that kind of stuff. You know, why should it be any different for a footballer? It's madness that and and like the fact that Bertrand Troy goes away and plays with Burkina Faso, comes back with an injured tie, Leon Bailey being caught up with Douglas Louise having to travel through the night as well. You know, we're being we're 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 having a bad uh, there's bad juju out there with regards to injuries as it is, but we're getting even worse when it goes when we go on on, on international uh, when players go on international break uh, on international leave, and we just can't afford to have that. You mentioned about our midfield, our midfield at the moment. I presume Douglas Louise isn't going to be allowed uh, travel with this injury that he has, but you know we can't afford well, to lose knows? anyone. We can't afford to lose anybody in there, and we've already lost Jacob Ramsey. If God forbid Leon Bailey goes and plays for plays for Jamaica and he injures his hamstring again. I genuinely think that somebody will like. The, I don't know what fans will do if that was the case. It just it, the the runner look in that in, in that aspect is, is is awful. But like Friday night, that's why Friday night to me you got to get points on the board because we don't know who the hell is going to come back healthy from international leave because we've just been so lucky so far. So um, get a good result, good performance. Um, 
a bit of a buoyancy going into this international break for whoever sticks around. But also, you know, we need to start picking up points before the likes of, of Man City and Liverpool start coming to town because, uh, you know, even me, probably one of the more glass half full fans, um, can't really, isn't really looking forward to either of those two games coming up soon. Well, two pieces of good news is Southampton have picked up form, so they've won their last two yeah. coming into the Bill again. So that's always great. And Raph, Second, Raph Nassel Hooten never seems to come up with a great plan. A game plan against oh no wait he always seems to come up with a great game plan against Aston Villa. Sorry. Yeah, not a, I got that not done great against yeah, Southampton yeah, yeah. have we? But then again, Danny Ings, is going, is... Danny Ings is now playing for us and he usually has a world league against That's us. That's true. So. Well, it depends on his hamstring. I believe it's his hamstring that there's a problem with James Ward Prowse as well. He, he had a suspension recently, but he'll be back to take free kicks against us like he did last, like he did last season. And on the international front as well, we've got another international now. So the player, the only player that I've said he's on good form at the moment, Matty Cash. He goes on international duty as well now. So things are looking good now. Yeah. Things are looking up, aren't they? Everything's going well. I think that does us for this week's edition of the post-match point. As I say, apologies, we haven't been around for the last three or, or four weeks, but we are back now. If you do want to get yourself some purity and Villa goods, you'll get 10% off if you use the code hashtag View. We'll get some more shows in the diary, so we'll let you know on social media when they're coming. Once again, huge congratulations to Neil for becoming a father on Friday, and thanks to everyone for tuning in as well. Hopefully some form of therapy, probably not, but, you know, we've done our best. Things are bad at the moment. Things can only get better, surely. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.